Welcome to episode one of the Sales Mastery Podcast, where we dissect and decode top sales professionals and learn the secrets to their successes. I'm your host and fellow student of sales, Andrew Bass. Today we talk with Cam Hale, the VP of Sales at Podium, a YC-backed startup based in Lehigh, Utah. I learned a ton from this conversation and hope it helps you on your journey to sales All right, looks like we're live. Hey, Cam. Well, thanks for thanks for coming on the podcast. We're glad to have you here. So, just a little background for uh, listeners. I met Cam when we were working at Weave, and he was the top account executive. I remember whenever I needed to get resold on the product, I would hop on and listen to one of his demos, and it would fire me up every time. Uh, so, Cameron, thanks for being on. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah. Um, so I thought we could start out with uh, you giving us a rundown of what prompted you to get into sales and what your career trajectory has been so far. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. So I didn't. I didn't start my, you know, kind of professional career in sales. I uh, I was actually an economics major in college, and it did and it did a couple of more finance based internships actually. Uh, one, one called the University Venture Fund, which is like a student-run VC, which kind of exposed me to startups and technology, at, you know, kind of early on. And so when I graduated, I, you know, I pursued a career in more in finance, started working for a, a group called Silicon Valley Bank, mm-hmm. which is an awesome company as, as like a financial analyst. Yeah, um, well yeah, yeah, Silicon Valley Bank's a good, a good group for sure. And what was cool about it is that I literally just got to see, you know, all kinds of different technology businesses, you know, whether that was from, you know, hardware products, software products, healthcare products, and uh, got to talk to their investors, right? Got to talk to the management team. And in all these different conversations, right, there was one thing that was a constant, right, that everyone kept bringing up. And that was what are sales going to be? What are sales? How are you going to grow? What's the growth look like? What's the strategy to grow? And I just remember being fascinated by that, you know, specific portion of the conversation and, and thought, man, maybe, maybe I ought to try my hand at sales. So that was kind of how I, I, I made that decision to, to pursue a career in sales. And then my first job, my first sales job was actually not, not in the technology world at all. It was actually in healthcare mm-hmm. um, for a, a large kind of medical distributor. So it was a great training ground for me. Um, in, in intro into the sales profession because it's a very mature business. There wasn't a lot of product differentiation uh, company to company. So I really had to learn kind of some hardcore skills when it comes to sales and, and how to, you know, position yourself as, you know, more valuable than the competition, right? So, and that led to an opportunity at Weave, which then led to an opportunity at, at Podium. So uh, that's, you know, that's kind of my, the, the, sales trajectory or the career trajectory that I went on kind of a, a different path, but it really, uh, is, has been, has been awesome. So yeah. that's really good. Yeah. I, I, when I checked in on, on you the last, a couple of weeks ago on LinkedIn and I saw that you were the VP at podium, I was like, I was not surprised at all. I was like, Oh, <laughs> there's to be there. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you believed in me, Andrew. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> well, Hey, I, I'm, I'm glad to hear you're killing it over there. Um, so another kind of question, um, what what have you done differently that's allowed you to succeed where you think others maybe you know have failed or haven't have really taken off? 
Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of great salespeople out there. And, and what's interesting is I think there's a lot of different paths to success within, within the sales profession. Right. But the, the one that I took, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily different, but given where I started my sales career, I had to learn how to sell. And I think, I think what that means for me is that the sales is actually a skill. It's, it's a skill that can be learned. And, and I didn't really realize that when I got into the profession, I thought, Hey, you know, I'm a social guy. I, I can, you know, I can win friends and influence people. And I thought that would be enough to help me be successful in sales. And I, I quickly learned that though that would get me in the door, right. Though, though that might, you know, give, give me the opportunity to present my product or whatever it was. It, it didn't actually help me with the ability to, uh, you know, convince somebody that, that they should choose my product over something else. So what I think the advantage that I had or, or maybe the focus that I had was how can I learn this skill? How, how can I learn how to position my product in a way, demonstrate the value, uncover people's needs and pain points and kind of all the cliches that you hear? How can I learn to do that? There has to be a better way to do that. So I became obsessed with learning mm. with, with trying to increase my knowledge base and, and really figure this thing out. And uh, that has benefited me tremendously just from a performance standpoint and really helped me kind of elevate myself. Cause I think a lot of people that get into sales, you, you know, believe that you're either born with it or you're not. Mm. And though I think I had some, some pre, you know, I guess conditioned genes to go into sales. I mean, I'm, I'm a social guy. I learned quickly that that didn't actually translate into being successful. So, so you're saying that the biggest thing that helped you succeed was deciding to actually, you know, learn the skills uh, behind being, you know, learn how to be good at selling, not just absolutely relying on natural talent or charisma. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I think that's um, that's that's a huge huge point. I've I've that's a pretty consistent. Thing I've seen across the board talking with people, the ones that are um, that really kind of take off are the ones who decide that that really changes for them when they decide, hey, I'm going to actually start learning this. I'm going to I'm going to commit to to learning this. So kind yeah. of along the same lines, what um, what are some books that you would say are like required reading, or some some material that you would say is like required to to yeah to to increase your ability as a as a sales uh, professional. Yeah. Well, I think there's, there's no shortage of sales books mm -hmm. out there and, and that's almost a bad thing. Uh, cause there's a lot of different, you know, methodologies and, you know, solution selling and challenger sale and, you know, social selling. Right. And, and I'm not saying that any of those things are, are good or bad, but I think, uh, where I really focused my learning on was, was trying to get the right mindset. Um, because my, my kind of wholesale philosophy is that, you know, obviously your product has to be the right fit. You have to understand your customer's needs and all those things. But when it comes down to actually getting somebody to, to say yes, that actually becomes much more of a human to human element, right? And it's really understanding, you know, how people make decisions and why we make the decisions that we do. And so with, with that said, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know how people feel about this, but there's a, there's a couple books that I really go to. The first sales book I ever read was Pitch Anything by Oren Claff. Mm -hmm. 
though. I don't know if you read that one, Andrew, but uh, it's it's pretty cerebral. It talks about like the croc brain, like it's it gets deep into the psychology of of why people treat people the way that they do and 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 how why people treat salespeople the way that they do and 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 different things different ways you can you know kind of navigate those waters and so that that was a i think that's a must read mm -hmm. uh for, for most salespeople. it takes a little bit of a different path but i think it's awesome i'm a i'm a big fan of grant cardone i am he's a kind of a slick talking southern gentleman right uh came up in the auto industry but his book seller be sold the first couple of chapters of that book uh, I think are pivotal in understanding your own psychology as far as, you know, being a salesperson, right? I think salespeople get a bad name, right? If we're, you know, fast talking used car people, right? But I think a majority of salespeople just are passionate about their product and, and want to help people in one way, shape or form. But oftentimes, you know, we start to question ourselves or whatnot. So seller be sold, I think really helps, helps people get in the right mind frame. Um, I mean, those those are two for sure that I think everybody should should start with. Um, and there's there's a whole I could go on. I'm I'm a reader. I like you know I, I read all kinds of different books. So if you, if you want more, I can I can keep going into it. But I'll stop there for a sec. Yeah, that's cool. How many books do you think you read in a year? Man, I don't I don't know actually. I, I haven't really counted. I think if, I'll probably conservatively at least one a month. Yeah. Right. It, de it depends on how how long the book is or how long my ADD takes, uh, you know, takes to take over. So, but yeah, I probably at least one a month, if, if not more. Mm. Yeah. I've, I've read seller be sold. Yeah. Those first few chapters are really good. I haven't read the, the pitch. You said it was pitch anything. Pitch anything. Yeah. I'll have to look at Warren, that. One. Yeah. So he's an investment banker. He's an investment banker. So he, he comes at it from like a really sophisticated standpoint. Not, not that that, is one way or another, but it's 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 definitely on kind of the opposite spectrum of seller be sold, yeah. Uh, as far as that goes, but it's but they kind of come to the same conclusions, which is really interesting. And actually, here's another one I, I read recently that I think is is phenomenal. It's the Way of the Wolf, uh, straight line selling. So it's uh, the Wolf of Wall Street basically talks about his methodology of selling. And, and again, I think if you if you take that at face value, the Wolf of Wall Street was not a good person. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. maybe. He got into some trouble. Let's put it that way. But when he talks about his his methodology, it's 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 pretty fascinating. So it's another good book I'd recommend to people. Yeah, that kind of reminds me. I don't know if you're familiar with Russell Brunson. He's a a top marketer, internet marketer, and he always yeah. says like, "Hey, don't use these powers for evil because the they're just you know it's it's power, sales and marketing. It's it's a you know it's power and it can be used for good or it can be used for evil. And I think yeah, uh, you can look at. People would use it for evil and at least, you know, learn some of the, you know, some of their techniques or some of their abilities and use that for good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, like I would say, we don't sell ice to Eskimos because Eskimos don't eat any ice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's something I think, I think from people I've talked to, the most, most of the best salespeople I've ever come in contact with are highly ethical they like you said they they're sold on their their product and they know that it's going to help people and that's that's one of the reasons that helps them kind of move forward no it's it's interesting right because again i think you know i've had an experience where a customer thought that i over promised on a product mm -hmm. and that is and may, maybe i did and that is not a great feeling and i would argue that 99 percent of salespeople feel that way right mm -hmm. 
And, and I think that's one of the things where I talk about kind of this mindset where, you know, Andrew, you talked about being sold on your product. And, and sometimes we, we question our product, right? You, it, it, if you can find a product out there that literally works for every single customer ever, point me in that direction because not everything works for everybody, right? But the key is, is, is understanding what that ideal customer profile is like and what kind of customer is going to have success. And then if you are in front of a customer that or a prospect that isn't going to have success, to your point, Andrew, kind of almost calling that out for them, right? Like really, this isn't a great fit. So anyway, that's it's uh, it's kind of this conundrum. And I think there's a bad reputation. But to your point, Andrew, that the best salespeople are the ones that are sold on, that, on their product. They understand how it benefits their customers. And they're also the ones that are bold enough when they identify somebody that it isn't a good fit for. Just basically straight up saying that, you know. Yeah, I've seen that in my uh, limited sales career that uh, the more time I spend trying to uh, close an unqualified uh, prospect, the, the worse I end up feeling as far as, uh, you know, feelings about the product or, you know, feelings about my abilities. But when I focus on, you know, just closing or, you know, dealing with qualified prospects, that just makes makes a big difference for me. Yeah. No, and I think, I think that's right. I mean, if you think about, you know, I'll reference the challenger sale here. I mean, again, I think that's another book that everybody should read. I think it's misunderstood truthfully, right? I think people think the challenger sale means you need to challenge everybody. And, and my interpretation of the book was, was almost far from it, right? Where, you know, and I'll kind of associate this back with, with kind of selling the right customer, right? Like, it's your job as a salesperson to almost know, to know the challenges of your customers better than they do. Mm -hmm. Right. And to understand your market, understand what's going on. So if you, if you want another pointer on what separates a sales star from just kind of a salesperson is, is the lengths at which that salesperson goes to, to really understand again, the challenges and the problems that their product fixes. Mm -hmm. And then again, understanding those better than their own than the than the business or the customer that they're that they're interacting with right so th that's again where just knowledge becomes power you know yeah what are some ways that you've done that i guess kind of tactically how do you go about learning um how your product serves serves those people and understanding their challenges better than they do themselves what are some things you've done to, to make that happen yeah, so I think that really depends on your industry, right? And, and becoming an industry expert, you know, and, and whether your industry is like a vertical specific, like you're a healthcare expert, or maybe you're selling a marketing service and becoming a marketing expert, right? I think people put expert next to their name a lot of times and they're not an actual expert, right? But because they sell a product and their company's published a couple ebooks on the subject, they, they read them and they think that they're an expert. But, um, one of the things that helped me was was uh, back when we were at Weave, Andrew, right? Like we were partnered with a lot of consultants. So the consultants that consulted, you know, the dental practices that we were working with or not or whatnot to help teach them the best business practices. Well, fortunately, I was exposed to going to their seminars and stuff. We would we would exhibit at their seminars and I actually paid attention to what they were saying. Mm -hmm. I was absorbing it. And even though a lot of it wasn't directly related to my product, it helped me understand the bigger picture of, of what these particular businesses were facing, right? Mm -hmm. We can understand kind of the macroeconomic challenges that a business faces. Then you can start to figure out how does my product fit into this equation? Because 
a lot of salespeople try and pitch their product as a silver bullet that's going to solve all the, you know, everybody's problems. And, and that's not always true, right? In fact, most of the time it's not true. A lot, most products solve a very specific problem. But if you can understand from a real, you know, high level, the big picture and then how your product kind of fits into that picture, right? It can really be a powerful, you know, message for the customer, and you can speak at length about their problems that they, again, maybe don't even fully understand. So, cool. So you're, you're referencing that needs to be. It's really important to understand the bigger picture. So, uh, understanding the big yeah. picture. Yeah. Read, read industry blogs, magazines, right? Like, really try to understand your industry, not just specifically to how your product fits into it. But what's going on in that entire ecosystem, right? Like, like what is going on from a macro perspective, and then from a micro perspective, how does how does your product and how do you fit into this picture, right? Yeah. So again, blogs, magazines, websites, anything, YouTube content, anything you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's definitely something I need to work on in my my, my current position and things. I'm you know looking back on you know past sales roles where. If I would have done that, I could have been a lot more successful. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there is one question I typically ask everybody that I talk to, and um, what, and you, you probably touched on it a little bit, but what do you believe separates you know sales professionals from sales amateurs? Yeah, I you know I, a lot of a lot of what I believe is is kind of borrowed right to a certain degree, but you know, so I'm not going to take credit for this, but. I think uh, a true sales professional, right? Like if you look at the definition of professional, it's somebody that gets paid to do something. So by definition, if you're in sales and you're getting paid, you're a professional, right? Mm -hmm. but, but if you think about uh, what really separates, you know, those that succeed from those that are just kind of average, mm -hmm. I think one word that sums it up in my mind is predictability. And I think there's a bunch of different branches that you can go into about predictability. But I think first and foremost, when I think of predictability, it's a reference to they can almost predict a sales professional can predict how a sales call is going to go. They can predict the objections that that a potential customer might have. They can predict the questions or concerns that, that customer might have. Uh, because they've studied, because they've rehearsed, because they've thought about how they say things, and they've really tried to master the craft. And that predictability leads to predictability and results. A true sales professional can basically predict how much revenue they can generate on a monthly basis, on an annual basis, because they're so knowledgeable and they, they understand what, you know, how a certain interaction is going to go. So again, Summing up the difference between a sales professional and a sales amateur is a sales pro can predict. Predictability. Yeah, and then like you said, that comes as a result of putting in the work to improve your own skills and understand um, your process enough to you know, predict objections, predict um, needs, and uh, to work. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So. Where do you um, where do you see the sales profession going in the next ten to twenty years? How do you think it will change? What things do you think will stay the same? Yeah, no, uh, I thought about this question, you know, because uh, again, it's the profession that I'm in. So you try to, you know, again, predict where where do I think things are going to go? And 
you know, there's a lot of chatter out there about, you know, cold calling is dead or this is dead or that is dead. Right. And, and here, here's my opinion on the subject. There are so many different mediums now to reach out to people, right? You know, there's people that think LinkedIn is the best thing. Email is the best thing. Texting is the best thing or whatnot. And if I, if I view the sales profession and I think where I came from, from, from healthcare sales is, is a good example, right? The, the sales professional that's an order taker, mm-hmm. so that's a term, someone that just kind of shows up and throws up or just kind of does a product tour, right? Those type of people, I think, will have a hard time maintaining uh, relevancy in sales. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a new thought. You know, I think that's pretty well documented. Um, but what that means to me, again, is I, and maybe this is just the theme of the call, is just Think about being a buyer of anything, right? I'll give you an example. Uh, my house, my, my basement had a little flood over the summer. And I got our carpet wet and I ripped up the carpet and, or the padding, and, and, but I need new carpet. And guess what? I still haven't gotten new carpet, right? Mm-hmm. And so I've called different carpet stores, right? And, 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 People, oh, well, we've got this carpet or we've got this carpet or we've got this kind or this kind or this kind, you know, it's, and, and what do you want? You know, well, we can get you any, anything that you want. Well, the truth is, Andrew, I don't know what I want. Hmm. And what, what I need is, is, a, is a salesperson that can understand where I'm at in my life, understand kind of what my budget's like, understand that I've got, you know, a two-year-old kid and he's going to be pretty hard on it, right? And I just need him to walk me over to the carpet that's right for me. Mm-hmm. We, we, we live in an information age and it's incredible because you can find information on anything. But I believe that in this, the overload of information is causing analysis paralysis. Because when any product you go to buy, most of them now have good reviews. Most of them have, you know... And so trying to make the right decision is hard and people don't want to make a bad decision. We fear making a bad decision more than we fear spending money. People are very comp- If people know they're making the right decision. They will pay a premium for it. Mm-hmm. And I think as I view the sales profession, that's, that's what's going to change is that those that are successful and are able to, to elevate their, their game and help people make decisions there there's going to be a higher and increasing demand on those type of people. And I think that skill is going to continue to be rarer and rarer, truthfully. So yeah. I think it's going to be a really great uh, profession to be in in the next 10 to 20 years. It's good to hear. It's very nice. Uh, yeah. So I think you're right. The, the, the transactional, the order taker, um, people, I guess, who aren't fully committed to, you know, learning all they can so they can help people the best, you know, to the best of their ability and, and the way that the, you know, the buyer really needs those people are just going to, you know, fade away, I guess, as, as the industry, you know, you know, time progresses. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, so you, when I left Weave to go off and do my web development uh, stint, uh, you you were, you were an account executive. Um, Yeah. and we've, I think you, you moved over into sales management. Can you talk a little bit about the transition there? Some things that the change or things that you learned as you moved from more of a, uh, in, into the man, like sales management. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, that was an interesting transition. 
that when you're when you're a high performing salesperson, you're only responsible for yourself, right? And and you and, and getting after it and 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 you know moving the top line as much as you can. And so that transition to sales management, you, your thought is is that everybody should be able to do what how do things the way that you did it. And that's a mistake that a lot of high performing sales uh, professionals do when they make that transition over to management. So a lot of companies will promote their best performing salespeople in their management. A lot of times it doesn't work out because, uh, you know, it is, it's a difficult transition. Um, so much like kind of my obsession for knowledge when it came to learning how to sell, that same obsession carried over into learning how to lead and, and how to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess my, I, I built this over time, but I think my, my philosophy is just built solely around helping guys be better at their craft. If I can help somebody be better at what they do every day, then they're going to be more successful. That will make the company more successful. That will make me more successful. That That's a win, win, win all the way around. And I also learned that everybody learns differently and everybody has different strengths and different weaknesses. And so you, you have to really get into the weeds with each individual team member that you're managing and understand what makes them tick, what they're really good at and what they're weak at. And then you have, then you come to a fork in the road is do I try and minimize the weakness or do I try and maximize the strengths? And, and, you know, I'll leave that as a question mark for, for other sales leadership to, to try and answer. But so it was, it was a difficult transition, but uh, one that's really brought, me a lot of satisfaction because as, as much fun as it was to crush my sales number, it's been extremely rewarding to help, uh, you know, my, kind of my role, what I feel of, of change, changing people from a sales amateur into a, into a sales professional. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how that would be, that would start to become just as fulfilling as anything you've ever done as an individual sales rep. Yeah. So, Tell me a little bit about uh, Podium. How how is your? I mean, you're you're the VP of Sales at Podium, uh, doing great things over there. How is that? How do you have your your sales team structured? Do you have um, outside reps, inside reps, a mixture of, the, of both of those? What are you guys doing at, at Podium? Yeah, so we're well. I guess it depends on how you define things, but so we have basically we're a setup kind of a typical inside sales organization. So you know we have. We, we divide it up into inbound. We call them ADM or account development managers. Um, some organizations call them SDR, sales development representatives, right? But uh, we'll call it inbound sales development and outbound sales development. Mm-hmm. Um, so then that's that actual, uh, that kind of difference is only on the sales development side. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, account executives. So they're kind of the closers. They're the ones that do a lot of the presentations. So sales development, they're setting up a lot of the meetings. They're making that first initial contact. They're getting people interested. And then they pass that over to uh, an account executive once once the interest is there. And then our, our account executives are basically territorialized. So they have a territory. And then it's it's divided by verticals. So Podium, we're, we're in a number of different verticals. Um, and so that's, that's kind of how it's structured from that standpoint. And then each vertical has a lead. So like a a manager that manages that vertical Mm -hmm. and there's a manager on the account executive side and then also on the sales development side. And then, uh, you know, then that's kind of where I, I come in at at the layer above that. Okay. And then there's even a layer above me. Well, there's maybe even a couple. So, yeah. 
Cool. Very neat. So what have been um, some interesting things you've seen as you switch from Weave, which was at least the time when I was there, it was, you know, one or two, you know, verticals that you had the dental or orthodontics. And I think they were working on a few others, but, uh, you know, just a few, you know, a few, you know, one or two verticals to podium where there's multiple. Yeah. So I think that was kind of part of, part of, uh, not, not entirely, but, but a big part for me of, of I'd been in healthcare sales and, and we was very healthcare focused. And I think they still are. And I think, you know, healthcare is an incredible space to be in. And mm -hmm. I think almost as part of like a challenge to myself, I wanted to see if, you know, what life was like in other areas. Right. Um, I always feel like if you can sell in healthcare, you can sell anywhere, but I wanted to see if that, uh, if that was true. Um, so it's been, it's been an incredible experience, you know, dealing with HVAC companies, jewelry stores, you know, I mean, you, you know, car dealerships, you, you name it, the podium runs the gamut of all different kinds of businesses. And I think what's been interesting for me to note is though they're all different, a lot of the challenges that they face are, are very similar, right? And, and with, if you, again, if you can kind of understand those challenges that they face, and understand it from a high level, then you can kind of really understand how your product fits into that equation. And so that's, that's been a really fun experience for me. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So here's kind of a question. Um, a lot of people that start off their career in sales end up in a, you know, in an SDR role, uh, yeah. typically an outbound SDR role. Do you have any advice for people who, you know, are in that role? Uh, what any kind of just general recommendations for someone who's cold calling or doing some less than you know warm outreach to potential customers yeah for sure so one of the cool things uh that i really liked about podium is that people uh entry level reps actually start on inbound mm -hmm. which you think would be counterintuitive right but and at first i came here and thought what that that seems funky but it's become a badge of honor to to be an outbound salesperson because uh, you know inbound is obviously they're, they're, it's a very important function but if you want to have control of your destiny right you want to have control of your destiny as a company you have to figure out how to reach out to somebody that's never heard of you before and and get them interested in what you do so i think from an sdr's perspective right First and foremost, it may seem like you're in a call center and this is the most, you know, maybe mundane or I believe it's one of the most difficult jobs that there is. I mean, you get, you face more rejection as an SDR than I think in any, any position out there. Mm -hmm. um, but I hope you under, I hope SDRs understand just how important they are. Right. And just the level that the contributions that they're making, the work that they're doing is so incredibly important to a high velocity sales organization. And so that's, I think, step number one, understand that. And then step number two, most SDRs that I work with, their goal is not to be an SDR, right? They, they, they want to move up the sales ladder. And, and those are the kind of people that I want to work with, right? I want to work with the ambitious people that, that, and maybe not, maybe it's not moving up to an AE, maybe it's to move into management or maybe it's to, to move in a couple of different directions. And I think, I think one of the dangers is, is that, we feel like we're ready to make that move before we actually are. I've seen so many SDRs make that transition to AE or make that transition to ADM. And there is something to be said about those that were patient, that learned, 
that took advantage of maybe that delayed promotion, right, to really master their craft, that transition to account executive or to management or to whatever it is, right, sales development management, uh, always seems to work out better in that regard. So, so patience is going to be key for anyone that's starting out as an SDR, right? This, this is what I tell my guys. I say, look, if you want to get promoted, if, you, if you're wanting to kind of move to the next level, this is the best thing that you can do for yourself. Perform at such a level. Master your craft at such a level to where management or the executives or whoever is making those decisions have no choice but to, to move you where you want to go. Right. So where your, your numbers are just at such a level that it's your, it's just so obvious that they'd be silly not to make that move. So that's, you know, it's a learning ground. It's a training ground. And, and, uh, but, and it can also turn into a long profession. Sales development is one of the most fastest growing and most important components of not just technology sales, but sales around the world. It's, it's, it's the kind of like fastest growing segment and has a lot of relevance. So just understanding that. Yeah, very true. <clears throat> Earning that um, that next step is is important, I guess. Uh, Absolutely. Oh, I mean, yeah. I don't just guess. I guess. I mean, it is it is very important. Well, cool. This has been a really enlightening conversation for me, and I'm sure the the listeners will be very uh, very happy to keep you know to listen to this. If they do have any questions for you, if they if someone wants to you know reach out and ask you a, a question based on something they hear here, what's a good way for them to get in touch or connect with you? Yeah, I mean, probably email is honestly the best, right? Or hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, if you, you know, if you just look me up on LinkedIn, shoot me a little message. That actually might be the easiest way to get a hold of me, and I'm more than happy to answer any questions or you know help out in any way that I can. All right, well, cool. Well, Cam, hey, I've really appreciated having this call with you and uh, getting kind of pick your brain a little bit. You, when I think of sales professional, uh, you're you're on the short list that comes yeah. from. So I really. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Thanks a lot, Andrew, and I'm, I'm flattered by that, and I appreciate you reaching out, man. Hey, it's been a pleasure. We'll have to talk, to get, talk soon. Yeah, sounds good, Andrew. See you, man. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. If so, then go ahead and subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on future episodes. Reach out to me on Twitter with your recommendations for future guests and any questions you would like me to ask those who come on the show. You can find my handle in the episode description. Until next time, keep hustling, keep learning, and keep selling.